Hi, and welcome to the Forsaken Body Podcast, a show about overcoming the tendency of Christians to focus so much on the soul that they neglect the body. I'm Nikki DeLisi, and of course, I'm here with Lainey Greer. And as always, we're so grateful that you've joined us today. We are um, feeling excited um, and a little bit nostalgic, I guess, as we wrap up our first season with this episode today. Again, apologies. We actually did end up missing a week there for a couple of reasons, but we are going to be finally concluding our first season on body stewardship, just addressing some issues that we have kind of come across in interaction with some of y'all, and we're excited to jump into it today. Lainey, how are you doing? Nikki, I'm good. It's been a beautiful day, so I've gotten a lot of sun. Yes. And yeah, ready, ready to do this Q and A episode. We have some some good questions. You know, there's really no rhyme or reason <laughs> to it. They're kind of you know all over the place with the different topics they cover. So hopefully, yeah. with each one, you'll hear something that's interesting or helpful. Yeah, we're excited and. Just to remind everyone, of course, obviously this is going to be the Q&A for this season, but please, uh, as you listen, continue to message either Lainey or myself with your questions. Feel free to reach out to us and we will address them at some point. We're going to address several of those that we've gotten. A couple things we did want to say just before we jump into some of those questions is just stay tuned till the very end of the episode for a a couple announcements. And we're going to tease a little bit about what we're going to be talking about next season, which we're hoping to come out sometime this summer. We're hopeful more towards the beginning of the summer, but we, uh, we won't make any absolute promises there. But sometime, hopefully in the next couple months, that first episode of season two will drop. So we will tell you more about that when we finish up today. A couple other announcements that Lainey has, and there will actually be just a really cool little segment that we were actually able to talk to a couple dear men just about some of their experiences in ministry and uh, a little bit of burnout. And so we're just going to hear from them directly, not from their mouths, but we'll address some of the things that they said to us. And so that should be also very good. But Lainey, why don't we just jump into uh, our first question? Yeah, Nikki, let's do it. This first question is, you know, maybe you're dying to know the answer to this. I don't know. Um, But is grapeseed oil healthy? Hmm. And first of all, can I just say, because I'm going to end up saying oil multiple times (laughs) in the next couple minutes. So I went to, I went to a middle and high school that it was called South Dole. (laughs) And Dole is spelled (laughs) D-O-Y-L-E. And if you're from this you know, that part of Tennessee, you don't say Doyle. It's just one <laughs> syllable. It's Doyle. So that means that for the rest of my life, I'm cursed with saying like all and full and bull. It's all one syllable. So just go ahead, put that out there, make fun of myself. And I would have just thought that was your delightful Southern accent, lady. Well, it is. <laughs> it is for sure, but it's made worse because of where I went to school. Okay. Anyway. Here we go. So yeah. Well, and I think too, grapeseed oil, but then also like other oils, like potentially, I think we're going to like be able to address here and just kind of give a couple general principles, right, Lainey? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, of conjecture about different seed oils 
and are they healthy? Are they unhealthy? When I was, you know, going through different certifications, learning about nutrition, any kind of seed oil, it was all considered a healthy oil. So the the bad oils were trans fats and saturated fats are the moderate fat, but then poly and monounsaturated fats were supposedly like the healthy oils. But just in the last few years, different seed oils have come about. And actually, didn't we talk about this on another episode? They've come about kind of under some controversy because they can cause inflammation. Polyunsaturated fats like omega-6 and omega-9, they're not necessarily good for the body. Consuming grapeseed oil, you may want to be aware of that, just that it doesn't contain trans fats, so that's great. But the jury may still be out on, you know, if it's a beneficial oil for you to consume on a regular basis. I don't know that this is the case, but grapes do have health benefits. They have like resveratrol in it, but grape seed oil does does not. It's not got the same resveratrol in the in the seed oil. Did you know, Nikki, that it, it can be used like for cosmetics, like for skin, helping with dark circles, used as a moisturizer. It's apparently high in vitamin C and vitamin E. I didn't realize that. I don't have any like makeup products or lotions or anything that have grapeseed oil, but maybe that's something to look into. Yeah, I I didn't know that, Lainey, but that is actually fascinating to me. And of course, as we've wanted to make clear, we are definitely not nutritionists and we're not setting ourselves up to be certified nutritionists. So we definitely want to make that disclaimer. So we, you know, we looked a little bit into this and yeah, that is absolutely fascinating. Fascinating to me. I had no idea, actually. Yeah. And so I think, you know, just just to put a bow on this one, like when you're looking at any kind of oil to consume, to eat on a regular basis, look for ones. Avocado oil is great. Extra virgin olive oil is definitely like the top. Even, you know, if you're going to look into grapeseed oil, but, but ones that are cold pressed, you know, they're pure, they're organic. Those are going to be much better for you. There's there's less change that has happened on a molecular level just with that processing. Go for oils like that. And then if the jury's still out on some of these seed oils, maybe don't use them as your primary, you know, cooking oil. Yeah. And I think I, if I recall correctly, I'm the one that actually got this question. And I think my initial response was very, really what you just said, Lainey, in just that I'm not going to swear on anything that like, okay, this is definitely like horribly bad for you, you know, or horribly good for you. But, or, you know, the, the bottom line is I think the tried and true oils that we absolutely know are so good for you and so amazing for you, like extra virgin olive oil and avocado oil. I'm gonna default to those every time. And there's really no reason not to, right? Because they can, I mean, you know, that avocado oil has that higher smoke point, so you can use that. And, you know, really between those two oils, you can do so much of what you need to do. So, you know, until there's a lot more hard evidence either way I I would just stick with those yeah I think that's good all right let's move on from this old question so I don't have to say that word anymore (laughs) um so the next one I I got this email and honestly I had never thought about this before it hadn't I've just Mm. never come across this in my training and exercising but it was a girl asking about syncing your workouts and your eating with your menstrual cycle Hmm. And I mean, I know there are certain times where I work out where I feel I don't feel great, like I don't have a ton of energy, kind of, you know, just sluggish. And I usually attribute that to 
I've just not eaten enough or I didn't recover well from the last workout. And it, I guess it could be period related, but like I said, I've never paid attention. So Nikki, like with your medical expertise and background, I'm going to let you <laughs> cover this one, but I guess, yeah, make sure like we know what cycle syncing is and then tell us your opinion on it. Yeah, this is a super fascinating and, and interesting question. Um, a very legitimate one. I'm glad somebody thought to ask it. And it, you know, made me think a little bit more too, which is great, of course. So, I mean, as we know, we are, as as females, we are on this monthly hormonal fluctuation, if you will. You know, day one of your cycle is, is a day one of your period, which is your menstrual phase. And that's when your estrogen and progesterone, your female hormones there are at their lowest. And when they're at their lowest, you're going to just be more fatigued, headaches, cramps, nausea, vomiting, the the vaginal bleeding, obviously you're going to be lower in iron, all these things. And then you move into the follicular phase where your body is building up the ovary, um, the follicle, sorry, is developing in your ovary to, to just clarify that. And um, those estrogen progesterone levels are starting to rise again. You're starting to get more energy, slowly building up and up to the ovulation phase when actual ovulation occurs. And at that point, your estrogen, your progesterone, are peaked. Um, even your testosterone is is peaked and you're going to have the most energy um, throughout that follicular and that ovulatory phase. And then you're going to start to cycle back down once you've ovulated. And if fertilization has not occurred, you're going to go into that luteal phase where your body is starting to prepare to, to bleed again. And your estrogen and progesterone are high, but they're going to start decreasing, leading to just increased feelings of like fatigue fatigue, sometimes anxiety. This is the time that PMS can come, that you know, we, we hear about that premenstrual syndrome. And a lot of times there, there just can be numerous different things that occur during that phase, bloating, changes in appetite. Honestly, this is, uh, you're going to have a lot more like sugar cravings and things like that during this phase as you lead into your period, maybe some acne, different things, mood swings, such. So um, we do go through those four phases. And of course, if you're not on that perfect a 28 or 30 day cycle, some of these may last longer, shorter, whatever, maybe every woman is a little bit different. But the question was, you know, should we change our exercise and perhaps even our nutrition to sync to these things? I will be honest with you. I have never done that. Uh, <laughs> like Lainey said, she, you know, has kind of always just attributed feeling differently at different points to various things. No doubt th- there's perhaps would be benefit to do that. Although interestingly, there there has been some research on it, Lainey, and, and there isn't clear research that specific changes for each phase is actually like shows clear benefits. There isn't any clear research on that. However, what there is research on is that making adjustments based upon how you feel, there there actually is tremendous benefit to that. Like one thing I would say, so during the menstrual phase, right, your period, you are bleeding, your hormones are at their low, you do not have much energy at all. You're just not going to feel like doing much of anything. You know, I, I can think about races I've done and CrossFit competitions, just like, oh man, I, I hope I'm not on my period, <laughs> you know, because I know I'm, I'm not going to feel great. So, but I think one thing I would definitely say is there absolutely is evidence that exercise can help symptoms during the menstrual cycle. So by no means would I advise 
women to just, oh, hey, just stop working out because you have your period and, you know. No, I would say actually there can be huge. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there can be a ton of benefit. Exercise can increase blood flow, reduce that cramping. And I would even say that anecdotally, um, research can show it. Um, However, what I would emphasize is listen to your body and you may have to dial it back a notch on the week of your period. And that is okay. You don't need to feel a guilt. I mean, I know there have been times I have just been beating myself up because it's like, oh man, I'm not snatching like what I should be snatching or like, why does 95 pound snatch feel so hard? Or why does this three mile run feel so hard? And shouldn't. And I'm just like, mm, okay on your period. (laughs) You know, like you have to have some grace with yourself. And I think listening to your body, Lainey, is so important. And then, you know, as you proceed through that cycle, so then kind of midway through that, around that, you know, follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, the beginning of that luteal phase, you're going to have more energy. So like, by all means, like, kill it, you know, do your thing. And, and that's awesome. Uh, Do some good strength training. You're going to be able to get good strength training in. And then you're slowly going to kind of start to lose that edge as you get closer to the menstrual cycle again. Uh, So that's kind of what I would have to say about exercise. Would you agree, Lainey? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's all really helpful stuff. Certainly if you're not feeling good, and this is just It's a good like principle for stewarding your body. If you're not feeling good in general, whether it's period related or you're actually sick, like it's, it's okay to miss a day at the gym. I know with my, with my history, with, you know, exercise obsession, that was a point for me that I didn't steward my body well because I would not feel good, but I would push through it. And there's a spectrum there. Like that's not a hard and fast rule, but just to let yourself be okay with not working out if you're just not feeling it because of your period. hundred percent. Or go do yoga or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on here to we... I think you got this next question and it was kind of a a cardio related question. So tell us, tell us about this question you got. Yeah, this was a good one that I got. So this person said, you know, I'm doing like 45 minutes a week of light cardio. I'm sorry, 45 minutes a day of light cardio, six days a week. And she was saying she'd like to incorporate some strength, but with her schedule, there's just no way she has any more time to fit in. What do you recommend? <laughs> so, Lainey, I, I was like, oh my word, 45 minutes a day, six days a week, and she's feeling stressed about not being able to fit any more in. Like, oh my goodness, no, she does not have to feel stressed about that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a lot for sure. Yeah. So, what do we advise? Yes. So, just the basic American Heart Association recommendations are 150 to 300 minutes a week of cardio. So 45 minutes, six days a week. I mean, you're that's quick math, but I'm pretty sure that's outside of that 300 minutes a week of cardio. So really that time needs to be decreased, but some of that time could be switched out for some strength training because you're, you know, three to four days of cardio and two days of strength training. That's really kind of a good wheelhouse to be in. And then, you know, with cardio, you really don't need to do 45 minutes. Um, And we've talked about this before in previous episodes on exercise, but 
you could decrease that time, but then increase the intensity so that Mm. you're really benefiting your cardiovascular system, your respiratory system a lot more with that interval training where you're, you know, shooting your heart rate up, going at a, at a harder intensity and then recovering for, you know, a little bit and going back and forth. So I would definitely suggest cutting back on that cardio by incorporating strength training, but then also decreasing the the time she's spending doing cardio by doing some interval training. Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds great. And, um, I think we would encourage everybody to go back to that exercise basics episode we did and uh, listen to it and and the benefits. And I think, you know, the tendency of women, Lainey, and I think I forget what, if it was that episode we addressed it in or the one before, but, you know, it's the cardio, 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 you know, because mm-hmm. you want to keep your fat percentage, you know, whatever you, you're wanting to burn fat or, or at least keep yourself from gaining. And you forget about how, incredibly beneficial strength training is for doing that. And it is not just cardio that's going to help you with your body fat percentage. Like it is strength training as well. And if, if all you're doing is cardio and you're just missing out on those benefits of strength training, um, yeah, you're just doing yourself a disservice there. You got another question related to exercise, didn't you? I, yes, yes. And so this, um, was from someone who uh, has an eating disorder and is actually in in recovery from that eating disorder and just really, really trying to do the best that she can. Uh, And she was wanting to get back into some running and some exercise. And she reached out to me just with a little bit, you know, hey, what should I do? Like, I'd really love to start running a little bit again. And, but, you know, do I need to increase my calories? What do I need to do? She's just genuinely trying to do the right thing. And I just really appreciated the heart behind this question. And Lainey, yeah, the the first thing that I told her, you know, she she does see a nutritionist because, you know, of this eating disorder. And, you know, first thing I told her, like, absolutely consult with your nutritionist in terms of making any any major decisions about calorie changes or anything like that. Just being very conscious and aware and honest with yourself about where your heart is at. You know, you feel ready to progress to being able to incorporate a little exercise, which we would absolutely encourage. But be honest with yourself. Have someone else holding you accountable. Make sure that you're not using the exercise to control your emotions and, you Mm -hmm. know, taking it to an extreme, right, Lainey? Don't be excessive. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think those are good, Nikki. I mean, for me, like given my just history with this, there is a line there and you, you know, if you're a believer, like discerning that with the Lord is really important to, okay, I, I recognize the need for some activity, but am I crossing the line by, spending too much time on the treadmill by, you know, spending too much time lifting weights by the number of days that I go to the gym. Is it too much? Am I skipping social functions so I can make sure I go to the gym? Like just because with an eating disorder, there there's a tendency towards obsession and idolatry there in different ways. And so that can very easily be transferred into exercise as well. So, you know, just from my own experience, I would say just really keep yourself in check. Like you Mm. said, Nikki, have someone hold you accountable, somebody that you can be honest with that knows kind of what you're doing and knows your tendencies. And then if, you know, if you know that you are under eating and you are not giving your body what it needs, 
you know, calorie wise, then be really careful about mm-hmm. working out mm-hmm. because like I was convicted about years ago, I was, I realized I was abusing my body. Hmm. I wasn't honoring the Lord and how I was um, not eating, but then also working out too much. And I think Lainey, if you aren't in a place where, you know, you've done all those assessments, you've done that self-evaluation, and you really do feel like you're in a place where you can start to proceed with getting in some exercise, I would also say, and and I advised this girl to start slow. You know, I told her, like, just do, you know, like a jog walk for like 10 minutes, you know, and and Mm -hmm. start start very slow and, and, uh, you know, you can gradually increase bit by bit from there again, in consultation with the nutritionist, in consultation with your psychiatrist, in consultation with those that know and love you and, and those frequent check-ins, but don't be afraid to start slow. You know, you can gradually increase from there again with those frequent Mm check-ins. Yeah, that's helpful. And then kind of on a related note, I guess, Uh, There was a question about how do you know when it's time to seek out counseling, which I think is a really wise question. You know, we live in a fallen world. We all have sinful natures. We're in relationship with others who have a sinful nature. Even as Christians, we have new natures, but we're still going to sin against one another. So from, I guess, my experience, I would say everybody's going to need counseling at some point in their (laughs) lives. just because. We live in those realities, so it's nothing to feel shame over. And asking that question of when is it time, I think that's healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, Nikki, you know, I don't don't know what you'd say about this, but I think just, you know, if you've gone through some kind of traumatic, sudden, tragic event, oftentimes you need counseling to process that and to work Mm -hmm. through that. If they're, you know, if you've been in a difficult relationship, whether that was from your upbringing, maybe with your parents, a sibling, maybe you're in a long-term relationship and and that was extremely difficult. Perhaps you, you know, have been in a challenging work situation or something and you need help processing mm-hmm. kind of on the on the back end, like what all happened in that situation to work through it. And then, you know, if you've experienced a death, needing help working through that grief, even just, you know, feeling stuck and feeling sad on a regular basis, kind of getting some counseling, having someone help, you know, speak into your life and help you get to the bottom of those things. You know, Christians too, obviously, like we would say, seek out other believers that are trained and able to counsel their, you know, their counsel, their advice to you is rooted in scripture. You're working through whatever it is with the overall goal of becoming more like Christ, kind of a discipling process there that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, by His work in you. It's focused on, you know, rooting out sin or, or patterns of sin in your life. Yeah, that's kind of some initial thoughts, Nikki. What what would you add to that? It's a really good and like you said, wise question. You know, I'd say also what you said about traumatic events and things like that is really helpful. And I think, you know, a lot of times there would be the tendency during those events to be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm handling it pretty well. I'm doing okay. I don't really feel the need. And I'm not saying in every circumstance that you do need formal counseling, not saying that, but I, I would definitely err towards something, you know, and uh, just realizing that when you're in the middle of a traumatic event, you're maybe, you know, you could be using some mechanisms, some defense mechanisms, coping mechanisms to cope temporarily, and then stuff can come out later. Um, So I think 
perhaps getting ahead of that is is a really wise idea. I would also say if you start to notice abnormalities in your behavior patterns and your overall functioning and handling of day-to-day life, right, your job, your family responsibilities, um, all these things, you start to notice that, that is probably a good indicator that you maybe need to seek out some counseling. I think I forget, maybe it was the chronic stress episode where I shared a little bit about what was going on in my life a few years ago. And and honestly, what I shared in that episode was probably barely the half of it. I mean, there were there was a lot going on that I, I don't even think I mentioned. And, you know, I mean, one thing is I, I did notice, you know, um, you know, I, I was, I was becoming more snappy at work. Right. And uh, that is just not, not like me just noticing some differences, even in, in just my being able to handle even times that were not exceptionally stressful, like moments that were not exceptionally stressful, just the normal stuff, but I wasn't handling it the way I normally would. And it it does take a willingness to be able to look at yourself straight on, Lainey, and be able to be like, okay, something is different. Something is off here. I think I need some help. And and again, that doesn't mean that you're crazy. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, any of those things. It just means life is really, really stressful right now. And like we talked about, you were designed to handle some acute stress. But that chronic stress ongoing for days, weeks, months, years, even on end, that is not necessarily what we were innately naturally designed because that's a, a product of living in a fallen world. I think, yeah, just just being able to have eyes to see. And again, I think we talked about this too. You may have to have someone else to speak into your life to notice those abnormalities. But I think if you're honest with yourself and you're seeing those, a good idea would be to seek out some counseling. Yeah. I think that's that's super helpful advice and great great question. Yeah. So let's let's go to this next one here. I've had the question come up about orthorexia, what it is, and you know, kind of distinguishing it from just trying to live a you know healthy lifestyle. So we'll get to this. I will say we'll get to this more in the next season, which is a teaser, but we're still gonna not going to tell you what it is exactly (laughs) till the end of this episode. I caught myself there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, orthorexia is a, it's an obsession with being healthy, eating healthy foods. You know, how do we do that? How do we steward our body in a way that honors the Lord without it, without being consumed by that lifestyle, without getting to that obsessive idolatrous level? And, you know, honestly, like for believers, this is something that the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit to be able to discern. There's a balance there, certainly. And if you have had some kind of obsessive history, maybe an eating disorder history with, you know, anorexia, with overexercise, whatever it is, it can be a little bit more challenging to discern kind of that line for you. And ultimately, like, it's a heart issue for believers. Mm. You know, if you're using like healthy behaviors in and of themselves, like wanting to exercise, we know that God made our bodies to get better with exercise. And then eating certain things, we know that God made our bodies to need certain nutrients. Like, so doing those things aren't a problem on their own. But if they are ruling your life, Mm. if you're turning to those things to comfort, calm you down, calm your emotions, like we just talked about, then that's when it can be problematic. So kind of looking at our our behaviors, how we're using them, the intention behind them. But again, like 
we're commanded, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, to glorify God in our bodies. Uh, sorry, 6.20. And so asking the Holy Spirit, you know, if you're a believer, to help you figure out what that means. It's not a one-size-fits-all in how we, you know, glorify God with our body. But God will bring conviction when it's needed. I've had several people sign up for Understand Healthy, several believers, and just say, like, I just realized that I was not giving any intention or thought behind what I was eating or how I was eating, how much Mm -hmm. I was eating, or whether or not I was getting any kind of exercise. And they attributed it to being convicted. Mm -hmm. So, again... You have the Holy Spirit. If you're if you're open and willing to hear, the Lord will show you those things. For me, gosh, I re- I remember I've told the story before. I'm not going to go into it again, but I just remember the moment that I was so convicted by the Spirit when I recognized like I was harming my body. I was abusing it because I was not eating enough and I was over exercising. So. Mm. I think that makes so much sense, Lainey. Yeah, I know you having experienced some of this, you can just speak into that really well. And your your story is super powerful. Yeah, I think one thing I would add about orthorexia when I've um in what I've looked and, and know about it, you know, one big red flag, Lainey, I think is so it's yes, that obsession with being healthy, eating healthy food, such a but and you're like, well, okay, how do I know if I'm at that point? And experiencing severe anxiety, even at the Mm. thought of eating something that might not be, quote, Mm -hmm. perfectly healthy, you actually experience anxiety even thinking about that. That's a huge red flag, a huge red flag. So Lainey and I try to be healthy, right? (laughs) I will say I experience myself, Lainey, no anxiety whatsoever about the idea (laughs) of going to get some pizza. <laughs> because yep. I love it so much. So, like, I know that that would not be the best thing to go eat every day. I absolutely know that. And I do not go to eat it every day. Do I have anxiety about the idea of going to have pizza on a Friday night? I definitely don't. Yeah. And so that would that would be a red flag. If you are realizing that you are so obsessed, focused on being healthy that it l- the, the idea of putting something into your mouth that is not healthy literally gives you anxiety, that is a hard check that you may not be in the best place. I think I would just yeah, add that. Yeah, that's that's a great addition there. I'm glad you thought of that. All right, so next one here, we've just got a couple more. Uh, so somebody sent me a graphic that showed like the U.S. and it categorizes southern states as having a life expectancy of around 65 years, whereas northern states, the life expectancy was more like 85 years. And she was asking, you know, what I thought about it if that tracks with, you know, things that I know and different things. And I mean, I, I had never heard that before. Like that's a pretty significant difference. That's a huge difference. 20, 20 years 20 difference years. in life expectancy. But I mean, honestly, Nikki, like that tracks. So I did like a four part blog post on religion and the obesity epidemic. And that was something that I just, I recognized that overlap so many years ago that when you look at the top 10 most religious states, they're also uh, the most obese states. So like eight out of 10, depending on the year, there's a massive overlap there. And so like that's typically, you know, Bible Belt, Southern states for the most part. But then too, if you look at like the CDC, 
and their statistics on disability, they label uh, the South as the most disabled region. And there's, you know, there's a high correlation with obesity and disability. So really like everything that I know, as far as like looking at these statistics for years, um, it, it coheres with this 20 year difference in life expectancy. But Nikki, I mean, you're probably the best one to answer this <laughs> because you're from New York, <laughs> but your medical career has been in Kentucky. So how, yeah, what do you think about this? Hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Honestly, Lainey, I had no idea it was that big of a difference. I, I mean, I, w- I, I certainly would have known it was a difference, but that is huge. And yeah, I mean, it does, it does cohere with probably what I've seen if I really step back and think about it. And I think so Kentucky, I mean, we are, Lainey, uh, we're not the most obese state. We're up there. We're not the most. We're definitely number one for smoking. Really? I didn't know We that. are. I mean, if that's not like super current, as of like a few years ago, we were number one for smoking. I, I, I can't say this like the absolute most current data, but as of not too long ago, we were number one for smoking. Number one for prescription drug abuse, which is why we have such hardcore controlled substance laws here in Kentucky, probably as compared to, to almost any other state. Drug abuse, obesity is is definitely big. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely, if I really step back and think about it, I'm like, yes, that actually, that does line up with what I've seen, which is sad because I love Kentucky. I do. <laughs> I love New York. Well, I, but I was in Kentucky for a little bit. It was fine. <laughs> Bluegrass State, beautiful rolling hills. I, I love it. But like, you know, I mean, definitely. And yeah, you wonder, you wonder why. I, I'm not sure exactly all the reasons, Lainey, but um people say that the South is so much better to live in the North, but I'm not so sure now. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's, I think that just highlights kind of some of the importance of the things that we've gone over with this season of just kind of those basic nutrition habits and exercise habits, because they're obviously, you know, everyone needs to be aware of those things. But apparently from, from this map, Southern states definitely need to be aware of those things. All right. So I think that addresses all the questions that uh, we wanted to address today. And we wanted to kind of spend the last little bit of this episode going back to the topic that we've talked about the last couple of weeks, which was ministry burnout. And we have actually gotten a ton of feedback, really positive feedback, particularly regarding those episodes. And we actually have had the opportunity to talk to three personal friends, two former pastors, and uh, one dear friend of ours who is um, a woman working with her family overseas right now as a missionary. And they were able to just give some pretty incredible feedback, um, Lainey, about their experiences with burnout. Yeah, I was really interested to hear what each of them had to say. And the the two pastors kind of said some similar things. And then, of course, um, the woman, she had a 
she had a similar but different take just as a missionary and in her setting uh, where she's at overseas, just in a different culture. But yeah, Nikki, let's just, just say what questions we ask them and then kind of walk through their answers, some of the similarities, some of the differences. So I think the first question that we posed to him was just basically what led to their burnout. What was, uh, how did the pastors answer that? So again, got got the opportunity to, to talk to these two dear brothers who, and, and I just have to say, you know, both of them, Lainey, just incredibly gifted shepherds and, and had been in the pastorate for quite some time. You know, this wasn't a situation of them just trying it for a year and deciding it wasn't for them. I mean, these were men that poured into their congregations for years, just beloved and, and incredibly gifted uh, relationally, I think I would say. And so uh, just just to kind of emphasize that, that is where they're coming from. And both have had to, in recent years, step down because of their burnout. And, um, or, you know, one of them was kind of like, I'm not sure I would use the term burnout, but, you know, uh, j- just just kind of feeling, feeling like he had to step away. And so both of them, Lainey, really kind of said very similar things on this, the answer to this question. And it was just managing people's expectations as well as their own expectations. Both pretty much said, I just could no longer keep up with the expectations that people were having of me and of my own. I was under delivering on what I expected to deliver. One of them said, I actually didn't follow up on things I felt I should have, and it had some repercussions, and and I actually had to repent of that. But managing those expectations, and both of them, I think, coming out of seasons of pastoral ministry that were particularly intense, like there were some serious things going on that they were a part of. And then it was kind of in the aftermath of that, Lainey, that they just kind of kind of felt themselves completely failing um, at the expectations that others and the themselves had placed upon upon them. Yeah, and they were they were also bivocational too, right? Right. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Both of them bivocational. So they're sitting here, you know, trying to manage their other their full time job and mm-hmm. providing for their families and people's, you know, just managing again these expectations. And neither of them, Lainey, sounded like bitter about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Or that like any one particular thing or expectation or person was what put them over the edge, but just sort of the cumulative effect of that over the years. And I think too, just both of them being so relational and so gifted, you kind of by default do expect things of them. And mm-hmm. after a while, Lainey, like they're human. Some of what they said, it sounds similar to uh, the woman's experience, but just in looking over what else she told us, I mean, I, mm. She she reached out to us and said she had the it was just the Lord's kind providence to have found our podcast and I don't think she'd listened before and just in the week that she did on burnout she had just kind of reached the end of of her rope at that point said that she sobbed when she listened to the first episode so just it just broke my heart but when we kind of asked her a little bit more about you know what all was going on she just started out by saying like before they went overseas in their training they were told that missionaries have to function 
on a high stress level. You have to be able to handle that so that when, you know, normal stressors happen, you're able to deal with it because you're already practicing, you know, kind of stress management things of having a weekly Sabbath, a self-retreat, exercising, eating well, being faithful, you know, to tend to spiritual disciplines. But even just, I just thought, man, the expectation is so hard because, you know, going from the American lifestyle, which is, we talked about on our first stress episode, I believe, like just the heightened stress that we have in America, just the schedules that we live, the expectations we have on ourselves. But then to be told like, hey, you're going overseas in a culture you've never been to before. You have to learn a new language. Like if you have a family, like there may be some safety issues, like all these things. And it's an expectation that you have to function on a high stress level. That just broke my heart, Nikki, because like, we just can't like, like ultimately we're going to break down like our bodies. We just can't do that. So anyway, I, I just, I just really, like I said, I've said it multiple times. My heart just broke for her, but then they had some crazy issues, just some sicknesses. I know one of their sons had yeah, a really bad crazy. seizure and just, they didn't have access to medical care and that, oh, I cannot imagine. Then just some things losing, you know, some really important cell phones, things like that. Like, that on top of, hey, you need to function on a high stress level. Like she just reached a point where she couldn't handle it. So that's kind of like what led up to her burnout. How did, how did the guys, how did they identify that they needed to step down? You know, one of them specifically just really made the point of an actual, well, actually both of them said, said something very similar now that I'm, I'm thinking about my conversation with the other one as well, and that they just couldn't point themselves back to the gospel anymore. Couldn't I couldn't feed myself the word. I couldn't lead my own home well. And fighting off temptation was harder. I felt more condemned. And it's like, well, how could I shepherd other people if I'm actually in this place? And also, yeah, physical health, Lainey, for both of them was was starting to deteriorate. They both, one of them in particular, you know, had put in some really amazing just things for his physical health and lifestyle. And then uh, they started to derail. He said he turned a lot to comfort eating and and things like that. So when all those things were kind of coming to a head and realizing like, hey, I can't even preach the gospel to myself. I feel condemned. I can't even lead myself and my family. How can I, how can I shepherd the flock? Um, and and he expressed a real gratefulness to the Lord, Laney, for showing that to him. Because I definitely think there would perhaps be many more people in that place than meet the eye. Mm-hmm. But wow, you know, was was the Lord kind? And he expressed just such a gratefulness to the Lord to actually show him that, so that he could step away. Yeah, I mean, Nikki, like just in my own life, and then people I have worked with over the years you know, on a church staff, it really is like, there's some kind of physical event that happens that is the final kind of last straw mm-hmm. to where it's like your body saying, okay, we're, we're going to make you stop. Like, <laughs> I can't do this any longer at this intensity. I mean, we've seen a people literally landing in the hospital. We've oh, seen yeah. It. Yeah, absolutely. And it was the same thing for the woman. She just talked about how she was having some major gut health issues and then just felt fatigue 
kind of in every area of her life and just reached this point of complete brokenness just from seemingly being in 24-7, you know, work all the time. So again, just reaching that physical point of complete exhaustion and burnout. And thankfully, yeah, all three were able to recognize it and have put themselves in a place. But yeah, so they also, we also asked them, what would they potentially do differently or what advice would they have just to, to guard against burnout? And I think a couple of things that the guys told me is just both of them, again, said something very similar. Um, one said, I wish I would have reminded myself that I'm not as great as I think I am. I'm quoting him now. I had never realized I struggled with people pleasing the way that I did. I've been able to repent of looking at myself so much and instead look at the finished work of Jesus on my behalf. I wish I would have remembered that the truest thing about me is that I am loved by God and that the most freeing thing is that when I'm at my best or my worst, I'm justified by Christ. And then the other one said, I wish I would have remembered that I am a child of God first and foremost. I don't have to fake the funk, look the part, impress, have all these things externally that make me look like a pastor should. I needed to take time to weep over my sin, confess my sin, and not have to be the smartest one in the room. I would tell people to learn to lead in humility, not like a fake plastic humility, but the true attitude of, I don't know, teach me. And yeah, and then, you know, um, something else one of them said was just in terms of, you know, what advice would he have? What would he do to guard against it? That he would have more honest conversations with the other leaders around him. Whereas I think for a long time he wasn't because it just kind of, I guess he felt like he was complaining and he wasn't being as quote perfect as he should have been. And so he didn't want to have those conversations because it made him look weak. He said he would also really advise to have like season other more seasoned pastors in his life. He said he didn't really have that. He said there's been one significantly more seasoned one over the course of his ministry, but really uh, not more than that. And he would really recommend like having seasoned people who have already walked what you're walking and just really building those relationships and having them to lean back on. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we all need that, but but especially in ministry, just having someone who has that, you know, sage advice, that wisdom that can speak into your life, but then also be somewhat of a source of accountability. Because when you're in ministry, it's hard to know who to go to, to have someone who can minister to you. I felt like that a lot. So I know, you know, pastors especially, or whatever role you're in, it's so important to have have that person or, you know, a handful of people who can do that for you. The missionary, so I thought it was interesting. She talked about how just when she kind of reached, reached that point where she was just done, knowing that she needed to reach out to their member care mm-hmm. that the mission organization provides like to help her process just everything that had been happening and then her husband was was really attentive to know that she needed like him to take the kids and he called her her mentor to come and to help her just kind of work through everything she'd been dealing with but it's i thought it was really interesting that she says i'm i'm reading her here she says quote Her mentor spoke truth to me and told me I needed to give myself permission to rest and spend Mm. extra time in the word each morning this week. Mm. And that's, Nikki, that's just the thing. Like, I mean, you just talked about weakness. I mean, for me, like, I, I just felt weak if I had to say no or if I, 
you know, even admitted to myself, I probably can't handle this right now. So that sense of weakness, you know, it plays alongside of not giving yourself permission to rest. So just this mindset of like, well, I can, I can take on one more thing and just forgetting that God made us as limited beings, like we've talked about. Um, And thank goodness, like, praise God for that mission organization, Lainey, because Mm. I mean, it, it's so great that they were willing to step in and help mm-hmm. and and tell her, yeah, like this is this is what you need to do. I think, you know, perhaps in the past that wouldn't have always been the case, you know, with with some mission organizations and mm-hmm. just thankful for for that experience for her and Yeah, thankful for that recognition. You know, if you're being sent out and being told like you you need to be able to function kind of on a high stress level, they they've got to have some kind of care right. and support system. Yeah. So that that is that is good. I know some of some of what the pastors told you was, did they kind of hit on maybe the deeper problem that they kind of see in the church that can kind of drive this environment that can lead to burnout? Right. So yeah, we, we kind of did ask that question and, um, you know, kind of making it clear that this is not like a, a condemnation of any one particular local church, but just more of like a, you know, okay, a, a, a deeper problem at large, perhaps within just the evangelical Christian church. And one of them said that he really feels that there can be an overemphasis on the role of the pastor and on the flip side, an underemphasis on the ministry of the saints. And just that knowledge that every believer is is a priest and we're actually called to pour into one another. And just he's like, so many people had even said like, well, I'm not being poured into, I'm not being poured into. And he said like, they actually were. <laughs> it's just that, you know, not not always at all times by one of the elders, but, you know, they had other people in the church, you know, texting them, calling them, giving them scripture, you know, all of these things. But then, so, but, but feeling like, well, I, I have to have a pastor at all times, you know, in, in every way, you know, involved in every aspect of my issue. And again, that's not to say, obviously, like there is a significant role of a, of a pastor, but he was saying like, just that there's a real underemphasis at times of, of the ministry of the saints. And then, the other one uh, kind of said, you know, I think we really can treat the pastorate like a regular job. And and we've touched on this, Lainey. And while there are similarities, right, in, in some ways, there's two big differences. And he said one is that there's really no clock in or out. And, and there are some other jobs that are like that, too. In many ways, my job is like that, right? But there's there's no clock in or out. And there is also, Lainey, what you talked about, I think, in the first Ministry Burnout episode of just, there is a spiritual exhaustion. There is an extra layer there because you're dealing with spiritual realities, which just by nature carry a, a weightiness and a heaviness. And I mean, you're bearing so many burdens. And so just kind of as a church, maybe need to, as the church, just understand and acknowledge that, yes, you know, pastors are, many pastors are on staff and and there's a degree to which, you know, it, it's like a regular job. But there's also a few different aspects to which it's very much not. Yeah, and that, and one of them said part of the problem is it's deeper, it's philosophical. It's that we treat the pastorate, or you know, I would say any ministry job, like a regular job, and 
even though there are, yeah, similarities, two major differences are you pretty much don't clock in or out. And then the level of spiritual exhaustion, like you just mentioned. So like the missionary saying, you know, she felt like she'd been going 24 seven and there, you know, there are always things that come up. There are always, um, you know, people that are hurting. There are always tragedies that happen and, and, you know, different crisis situations that come about. So it really can just be overwhelming and nonstop all the time if we don't have boundaries like we talked about before. Nikki, what were there any other final things that the pastors had to say that we should add before closing out this section? I mean, I think really just one of them, a um, couple different things he said to that really struck me. You know, he did, he did reference um, Romans 12, which I think we referenced in another episode of just having a proper assessment of yourself and, and understanding your frame. Like, like we've talked about, we have limitations. We are not all powerful. Like only one is all powerful, and that is Jesus. And just at the outset of everything, at the outset of embarking on ministry, at the outset of assessing your spiritual gifts, like just remember, remember that. Have a proper assessment of yourself. Now, he also um, did want to kind of put a, a caveat on everything he said is that. You know, he does also sometimes feel that we can, of course, go to the opposite extreme because that's our human nature, right? We identify a problem, we try to correct, and then we overcorrect. And that we can operate out of um, now that like burnout and stress management and all these things are, are just becoming bigger issues. And they're starting to be talked about and acknowledged now more so than they ever have been. But what we can do is then start to operate out of like a fear and anxiety about burning out to where then we start to put up so many hedges and are operating out of so much fear that we just tip the scale in the other direction. And he was quick to say, listen, we are called to be poured out as a drink offering. We are called to take up our cross, to bear in long suffering as we wait for Jesus. We um, these are things that like we're actually called to. And so kind of like what Lainey and I said a couple episodes ago where we, we said, hey, in addressing all these things, we're not saying don't work hard. And we're not saying, and they are not saying that we're not called to be poured out. Like we are, and and it is a privilege to be poured out for Christ. A great blessing. Um, it's just... It's just that we do, we do have to have our eyes open, right, to to everything and and to our limitations as humans. Yeah, and I think that's the key is is just having your eyes open, but being realistic about again how God designed us. We're not the end all be all, and we shouldn't do ministry from that standpoint. Yeah, we have to be able to to step back at times. What was the? I know you told me a little bit about this. Let's just kind of end it here with this. But the the one pastor talking about how he makes decisions. I thought that was super helpful. Tell us about that. Yes, yes, I loved it. He actually kind of like reached out to me several minutes later and was like, "Oh, and I forgot to say this." He said, "A lot of times we talk about balance." He's like, and he's like, "Well." what does balance even mean? Like, how do we decide what's balanced? How do we balance being balanced? Like, and and I, I was kind of chuckling. And he said, so I, I kind of refrain from using the word balance anymore. He said, instead, what I say is I make decisions. Instead of trying to be balanced, I make decisions to support what I want to do and what I know I need to do. 
And when you make good decisions that support your goals, it is the best approach. And so, for example, he said, if we want to maintain longevity and pace, but at the same time, take up our cross and be poured out, we will make decisions that support that. So like, you know, if I, if I am really like bent on getting up at five o'clock in the morning every day to go work out, then I have to make decisions that will support that. So that means I have to get to bed earlier, right? So instead of getting to bed at midnight, I, I need to get to bed at nine or 10, right? If I'm, if I'm going to get up at five or five thirty to go to the gym, if I'm, you know, if I really want to prioritize being at my kids' sports games, like I have to make decisions that support that. And so he's like, you know, it is possible to make decisions that maintain that longevity, that will lead to maintaining that longevity, avoiding burnout, but still be poured out for Jesus. And that is possible. But, it, you know, it's possible, I mean, obviously through the empowering work of the Holy Spirit, applied through decisions that we make. You know, we don't want to just put that like up there in the stratosphere. It's like, okay, I have today to make the choices that I need to make today. Like, and I'm so thankful that my pastor, you know, made the decision to let me come over that night and talk to his wife. And he made that decision. And I think he's okay with that decision. And I think his wife was okay with that decision. And I was grateful for it. He also makes decisions like to care for his family and and do what he needs to do, right? To maintain his own health. So, you know, it's those decisions. And yeah, I just really appreciated his kind of clarifying that, Lainey. Yeah, that's really helpful advice. Um, I hope that some of, you know, the pastors and then the missionary, I hope that their experience maybe has hit on some things that's helpful for you or that uh, you'll be able to share with someone else just so that you can uh, be wise and make decisions um, and guard against burnout and serve the Lord in a way that honors Him. Wow. Okay, Nikki. So this is this is it. This is the end of... Q&A episode, the end of our first season. I'm just going to run through just briefly a recap, kind of get your your closing thoughts on this first season. But we have covered, I don't know how many, I think this is the 17th episode. So, so we've covered this in this first season body stewardship and different aspects of that. So I, you know, again, I've said it a million times, you'll probably roll your eyes, but body stewardship is accepting responsibility for your body by appropriately caring for its needs. And then kind of in those four areas of proper nutrition, sufficient exercise, adequate rest, and limiting stress. And we've unpacked those throughout. We started with exercise, we hit nutrition, then we hit rest and stress. And with each one of those, we talked about how God created us in certain ways to to need nutrients, to need our bodies get better with exercise. We need to recognize we're limited beings who have to take time to rest, who can't just go, go, go all the time and handle increasing amounts of stress. And we're called to, you know, glorify God in our bodies. So that means stewarding them, taking responsibility for them as, as an overseer or as a manager. So that's kind of where this whole season went. Hopefully you're thinking back and that makes some kind of sense <laughs> to you. And again, you know, it's it's not just about, quote, being healthy, unquote, but like believers caring for your body in ways that honor the Lord. And Nikki, I would just say, just again, to kind of 
wrap up the season on body stewardship, you know, everybody's in a different stage of life, a different season. So stewardship doesn't necessarily look the same way. Like we've just talked about, maybe you're in ministry and you're convicted about your schedule. You realize you need to steward your body better by incorporating a pattern of rest, making sure you get the amount of water you need instead of living on coffee, Cokes, energy drinks. That's definitely an application of glorifying God in your body. Or maybe you're a new mom. Maybe in order to, you know, lose the weight that you gain from pregnancy, maybe you've been skipping meals to get your pre-baby body back. Um, And you realize like, okay, I'm not glorifying the Lord in my body right now by skipping meals and by obsessing over getting that pre-baby body back and I'm actually harming myself. And then, you know, I think of like college student. You're regularly pulling all-nighters. Maybe you're not partying, but just to procrastinate on your, you know, papers that you're having to write. So you're convicted that you need to sleep more because you recognize God designed your body to, to need sleep. Or maybe you live on fast food and know you need to eat real whole foods, less processed things, get good nutrients in your body. There's, a, you know, we could go through a ton of different scenarios, but you know, also for believers, it's helpful to point out too that the Lord has given us the divine ability to be self-controlled in these areas, and that's through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we know the Holy Spirit indwells us as believers to enable and empower us, you know, to live a godly life. And so we do have the capacity. If you recognize an area where you need to steward your steward yourself better, you have the ability by the Spirit to to display some more self control over those things. That was sorry, Nikki. That was a long recap. What uh, <laughs> what would you say to recap this first season before our you know long awaited announcements here? Yeah, no, Eleni, I think you did you did great, and yeah, just a reminder to everyone that nothing we're saying right is about an obsession. It's not about an exact prescriptive plan. It's very individualized. It's very you before the Lord and knowing your heart before him, your relationship with him. If you don't know him, like, please know him because like, that is, that is what he, what he wants. Like he's, desires a relationship with you. I mean, none of none of this life makes any sense apart from him. And and if if you're not someone that knows the Lord, like seek him out. I mean, he says he who seeks me will find me. And he's revealed himself through his son Jesus Christ and in his word. And so you have everything you need to know him. And so know him the invitation is open to you. And that is the most important thing. Without that, none of this, none of this matters. Like this, this matters because like we are who we are because we are created by God and he wants us to be in relationship with him. Yeah. Nikki, that's a great way to, to end this recap. You know, that our, our faith in Jesus Christ, it fuels this whole podcast. So glad you, glad you added that. So just, just quickly, some announcements here. I am actually, so I, I'm working on a little theology curriculum devotional thing for preteens, but then I also just recently signed a contract to write a book on body image with New Growth Press, and then also just signed one to write with BNH Academic, and that book is going to be on kind of what embodied holiness looks like. So 
I'm really excited about those things. Got lots of writing to do. So <laughs> um, exciting. Over the next few months, Nikki, but it's good. The Lord has been super kind. And I'd say too, you know, if our, our podcast is on my website, lanygreer.com, but um, you can go on there too. You can subscribe to my newsletter. There's different resources on there. I just recently added some specific ministry pages that discuss like different aspects of my material and what's most helpful for if you're a missionary or if you are in a church or parachurch organization, if you're a biblical counselor, if you're a ministry leader. So I just wanted to like bring everything together on those specific pages to make get easy um, to see like what I what I have and how it's helpful for those different situations. All right, Nikki, here it is. <laughs> what is our next season going to be on? Oh my goodness. Bum, 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 bum. Okay. So we're going to start, well, there's going to be a few different things we're going to talk about. We're pretty sure, but we are really excited to delve into the topic of body image. And this is a huge hot topic right now. Bit of a spicy one, maybe a little controversial, not not totally sure, but it but it's definitely an important one and for for just to make sure that nobody is just sitting there think, "Okay, well, I'll check out, you know, that, you know, I'll pass that on just to my teenage daughter." Like, please do pass it on to your teenage daughter. But no, and I want to say we probably talked about this early when we briefly touched on the issue of body image way at the beginning of the season. It's a, it's very much not just a female issue. It is not just a teenage girl issue. Most of us, male and female alike, will battle with this issue. And perhaps men don't talk about it as much as women, but in some of what I've seen and different people I've read, it is kind of coming out that this is an issue for for men very much as well. Anyone, right, Lainey, for the oh yeah, yeah, the postpartum mom, the menopausal woman, that yeah, dad bod, you know, the man is you know however old like that thinks he has a dad bod, you know, like right. it's it's an issue. Um, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna tackle it. Uh, we're gonna spend several episodes on it. Yeah, Nikki. So I'll just say this. Um, so when it comes to glorifying God in your body, so that first Corinthians six twenty, in my mind that plays out in two ways. One, it's how you treat your body, which deals with issues of body stewardship. So that's what we covered this season. But then glorifying God in your body is also how you think about your body. Mm-hmm. So that's a body image. And so that's why, like, this is the next season that we're doing. Um, so yeah, I wrote on body image in my dissertation. I, I used 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20 to kind of bring out some body image principles. And we'll, I'll go into this more when we get into that season. Um, but then I apply those principles that can, you know, are pertinent to any setting to six different situations of, you know, if, if there's a child with disabilities, how should the child think about his body in a way that honors the Lord? A teenage girl, a college guy postpartum mom, menopausal woman, and then, you know, a man in his 60s whose body may be starting to break down on him for the first time and and it's not functioning the way he wants it to. How does he think about his body in a way that honors the Lord? So there's so much here to unpack. And yes, please don't just check out in this next season, you know, if you're a guy, if you've been listening, because if you're in ministry, you're going to encounter people who are dealing with body image issues. And given our current cultural moment with all the different things being said about our physical 
physical bodies. It is so important to listen to this next season on body image. And studies do show there's not been a ton of research studies done on guys and body image, but the few that have show it's a definitely, it's it's a much bigger issue than anyone really has, has realized. So we'll cover all kinds of things. We'll look at how it develops and changes with time, different disorders that can arise from negative body image or that can be exacerbated from negative body image, like eating disorders, body dysmorphic disorder. Then, of course, we'll look at scripture and then how a theology of the body is going to address negative body image. But I anticipate, you know, maybe 15 episodes or so. <laughs> There's going to be a ton. And, and all coming from the perspective to you. And we'll just, of course, we'll probably say this early on in next season, but from two girls who have had their body image issues themselves. So. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure we'll walk through some of our personal stories there, but yeah. All right, Nikki. Well, this is going to end our first season. We just are so grateful that you've listened for the last 17 episodes. We hope you'll continue to listen and share the episodes and continue to talk about the Forsaken Body podcast until this next season comes out and we'll see you then. 